Hey, Swizz. Let me talk to him. It's game time with the AP set. Shout out to every bad bitch that gave me head. Fuck you to every nigga that prayed me dead. I'm alive, you gotta deal with me, Jay-Z dreads. Drop the top, let the AC spread. Tell every rapper except him and Nas to come and break me bread. My morale cannot be stepped on. I'm the real middle child. Niggas get smoked like all the roaches I done slept on. Don't get me started. Who am I? I am the big homie, the Lil Wayne Carter They tryna throw the book at blood But I'm the author, I can still say nine tray And my bandana stretch farther than New York It's like I'm walking on water How I end up in Heathrow with the Draco inside of my Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L Jamal Coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want As long as you got the facts We have a lot uh, going on today slash tonight uh, We have the NFL season taking off upon us uh, Week 1 uh, will be officially underway tonight We also got uh, week 1 officially of college football Of course, we had week 0 I am going to go over one score from week 0 Just a Nebraska-Northwestern game because, of course, I'll be having my Big uh, Big Ten uh, uh, season preview tonight as well. Uh, but uh, like I mentioned before, like I said, we're going to get into the NFL. At least the first few games from tonight, week one. Actually, the first game uh, from tonight, week one. I also want to go through one last uh, look at the Raiders. Uh, just a look at their preseason. And just some final thoughts on them going into the season. Uh, maybe even the AFC West in general. And then um, I mentioned college football and the Big Ten, my Big Ten preview, of course, uh, we will be having week one. Uh, well, yeah, week one officially kind of taking place tonight. I know there's a big marquee matchup in the Big Ten coming on tonight. So to uh, to commemorate all this and to mark the the, I guess the the uh, beginning point of a new season. I wanted to get in a uh, a conference preview tonight. Also, I have a few more on uh, on the way uh, through the weekend. Of course, uh, we are getting through the start of the season there. So, and and to also to start things up tonight, I also want to get through a, a pond for the review segment. This will be my first segment of the night. Uh, Drillmatic Heart versus Mine. Game first album. Uh, sorry, Game's newest album. Uh, that'll be the first thing I get into but again uh shock full sports um tonight that's what we're looking at again we're going to start everything off with my review so let's go ahead and get into it uh as i mentioned before game drop dramatic heart versus mine at this point about a couple of weeks ago uh i do not have all the sales in front of me right now not that that's important per se that's not going to determine always what is a classic or not a classic album uh but uh, let's just get into it. Of course, it's 30 tracks. Uh, we know the biggest uh, song that we've talked about before was the Black Shady, the Eminem diss. Uh, I shared my views on that. I'm not going to keep, uh, you know, harping on that too much. Uh, today, we want to talk about the album as a whole. So let's start off with the positives. And I honestly believe that this is a above average album, uh, which... Um, you know, which places it above a lot of the albums that probably uh, have been put out so far this year. With in my, with my opinion, with the exception of uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers and the uh, Dreamville Project, uh, I think it's uh, significantly better than what Drake did earlier. Uh, I don't know about NBA YoungBoy just yet. I haven't had a uh, chance to compare it uh, to that just yet. Uh, but I think this is an above-average effort from a game, believe it or not. Um, 
I know you probably wouldn't have figured that from the review that I gave his diss track, but overall, listen to the, listening to the album, again, it's a little long in the tooth. Uh, I, I probably couldn't, outside of this review, I would not be able to listen to it fully again uh, in just one setting. Uh, there's a few songs on there that I like. Uh, first things first, I did want to break down the positives, though. Now, Game has already had, has always had uh, great wordplay, great bars. That does not go away here. Uh, Money, Cash, Clothes is probably my favorite track on here. Uh, the first verse is pretty much, in my opinion, the pinnacle of his flow, the pinnacle of his album. Album. Like I said, it's it's an above average album, but I'll tell you why why it's a little bit conflicting to say all this in just a little bit. But um, the first verse, like I said, is really funny in the Money Cash uh, Clothes track. He goes, "Fuck you to every nigga that pray me dead. I'm alive. You gotta deal with me, Jay Z dread." So again, <laughs> his his uh, his his uh, punch lines are still you know potent for the most part uh he always names drops makes some decent topical references you know uh again like i said 30 tracks it does kind of get old because again it suits who he is you know he doesn't really change from that mode uh but again you got to look at the production as well really great production from your boy hip boy uh i love the 90 samples that he uses throughout the track i think home invasion had one of them uh burning checks is i think another one of them uh just really on point i I think you can remember uh, the beats are, you know, going to be on point with this one. You know, your prototypical drill album, and the reason why I say it's above average is because Game is just a better rapper than these guys, you know, so it, it's, it's going to sound a lot better. Uh, I think the biggest... Um, the biggest track outside the money cash shows, in my opinion, is going to be The Fortune. That's going to be your club banger with uh, Kanye. Uh, Timbaland was on that track. Really uh, upbeat, really fast-paced. Kanye, I mean, he spits a verse. I mean, I, I don't think he's that great. I don't think he's that good of a rapper. But, I mean, he's not terrible. So, again, he doesn't take away from the song. Again, the beat is fire. Uh, thumping. He has a lot going on to it. Again, uh, game bars you know always come on point I think another track that I liked uh, was what we not gonna do I think it was ref just reflective of where he's at in terms of his relationships I think as somebody who's gone through change in that department as well and uh, looking for different things in terms of that as well and, and wanting different things I feel like I can uh, relate to that song as well so there's a few songs that I do relate to um, I think again like I, I have to always mention uh, in terms of lyricists um, game is up there you know he's not a bad MC, and to to this to any stretch of the imagination, I just think that um, when we get into what doesn't work, and I'll get into that right now. I think um, he didn't really have a, a consistent approach to this album, and I truly felt like it was all over the place. I don't feel like there was anything that reflected a real split between his heart and his mind. Um, again, when you look at a title that says heart versus mind or heart slash mind or however you want to look at it, you're thinking that it's going to be, and particularly, you know, if it's 30 tracks, you're thinking maybe half of the album you're going to have, you know, I guess more heart reflected 
you know, pieces. And then, you know, you have another part of the album where you have, you know, some things that's on his mind. He gets things off his chest. Now, I think he does some of that, getting some things off his chest, re uh, revisiting old situations such as, of course, uh, the fallout of G-Unit, his, whatever his drama is with, you know, Eminem. Uh, but I do feel like, again, there's not enough of that. I don't feel like there's enough of a split in that. I don't think he really goes in on his, you know, real introspections. Uh, again, there's a part of, uh, I believe, it wasn't Money Cash Holes, but it was a song later on in the album. He goes on to say, no, I'm not the same game. And in reality, he's right and he's wrong. Um, you know, he... In a way, this is stereotypical game. This is just, you know, a lot of this is I'm from Compton. I'm a gangster. I can shoot anybody. I, I do this and I do all these these street things, which, you know, that's cool. Uh, but again, you know, I think he also, you know, lost some of his introspection, you know, maybe because of the drama he's going through. Uh, it just becomes almost like a cynical approach to the album. That's what I start to hear. And it gets really just, uh, you know, stuck on the same subject matter, particularly with, you know, being <laughs> as violent as he claims he wants to be. There are multiple references to I wish death upon somebody or somebody wished death upon me numerous times. Like this was a running theme, you know. You know, saying, fuck the guys that wish death upon me. Fuck this guy. I'll blast down your door. And this is my thing. This is a quote-unquote typical drill record. You can tell by the way he spits from the beats. My thing is, I think game is beyond drill. He's better than that. He's evolved in the game. Well, at least he should have evolved in the game to the point where he shouldn't have to make a drill album just to be relevant. But I guess this is the sound that's hot right now. He needs to make an album that sells, make an album that moves people. Although, you know, if you ask anybody else, he's supposed to be this goat already. I, I don't know. You know, and I don't think he he, he seals the deal with this album here. Uh, like I said, he goes back to the past and tries to re-reference his situation with 50 with the song 30 Day Special. Tries to flip it and, and make it as though it's it's a 50 situation. It's all 50's fault. Well, I'll tell you this, you know, uh, going back to game. And uh, from the moment that I saw game perform for the first time with Juni, I think it was an episode of 106 in Park. I was back in seventh grade. And uh, I knew then. You know, that uh, he just was not a, a group artist. You know, I took into account where he was coming from, uh, the side of the coast that he was representing, you know, what he was all about. Uh, he just did not seem like he was a G-Unit guy, you know. So I think he was always destined to be a solo artist. Now, how that all came about with his beef with 50 Cent, I think that's been well documented. Uh, I think there's, uh, I think there's, I guess there's some blame to put on both parties, he and 50, but let's be real here. Uh, there was ego definitely amongst him. Uh, there were some situations in which he really didn't show up as a team player for G-Unit and or 50 Cent and the label in general. And of course, it leads to this, you know, this uh, split between the two. And, you know, I think now that we're in 2022, this, this shit that happened in 2005, 2006, I was a freshman and up to a sophomore in high school. I don't even think it's relevant anymore. So I don't even know why game wants to go over these things. And then, like I said, he wants to kind of flip the script and make it all 50 cents fault. When we all know he played his, his ego played a way into this. He's the one that, you know, dissed a lot of these guys. He was the one that was friends when, when 50 was at odds with some of these guys, putting himself in, a, in an awkward position with 50, uh, constantly trying to put himself over the group uh, in, in many different ways. There's examples of this. And did 50 give him a, 
give him the best shot? I don't. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean, again, as far as what 50 could not have done or didn't do, I don't know. I mean, uh, as far as his first album that's, you know, made us even uh, knowledgeable of the game, uh, Get Rich, sorry, not Get Rich or Die Trying, but the documentary, you know, a lot of that was, you know, written and pinned down by 50 Cent. So, again, I don't know all about what led into this beef either, other than the two guys just having egos. Like, you know, maybe 50 understanding or feeling that the game could be this own, his own entity and that bothers him. You know, because he wants to be the, the Hey Honcho and just the game realizing that he is in that position in which he can, uh, you know, in which he can be a solo guy and call his own shots and then kind of turn his back on people. I feel like it's a, it's a two way street. But like I mentioned before, we're in 2022. Is it really important? Again, uh, you know, he had the Black Slim Shady, you know, diss track. No one really knows why he's mad at, at Eminem other than the fact that he did not get to perform at the Super Bowl that was in L.A. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand. Of course, he, he made numerous references about him, you know, being privileged and being white. You know, again, all these all over the place accusations. But mind you, when he was doing his thing in the rap game, dropping LAX, dropping the documentary and, you know, uh, the, the doctor's advocate, there was no mention about the game or sorry, no mention about the industry, you know, doing him dirty or, you know, propping him up and making sure he sold his records, which he did, you know, but as, as soon as he fell off and like a lot of these guys do, oh, I fell off. Now it's Eminem's fault because I fell off. Uh, whatever, dude. I, I wouldn't go there. Now, he also, in my opinion, bites off a couple of different rappers' flows. For example, uh, there's a couple different songs, "Burning Checks" and I believe "Killers." Where I, I this is just me. Now, you can you can take with it how you will, but this is my interpretation. I feel like he's biting off a of Pop Smoke again, a rapper that he's miles ahead of, and that's no disrespect to, to Pop Smoke, R.I.P. But again, I don't like when when rappers bite each other. I don't I don't I don't like when we, when they take off each other's you know choruses to make a, their own choruses make up your own chorus you know make up your don't don't steal Eminem's cadence use your own cadence develop your own cadence if that's what you guys really claim you are you guys are goats and wordsmiths then do that stop taking other people's flows in my opinion there's a couple different songs in which he sound like a typical drill rapper and he's a lot better than that and I feel like he sold himself short uh, on, the, on the track voodoo uh, in my opinion I feel like he's even biting off uh, you know Kendrick Lamar you know, and he's not better than Kendrick Lamar, but that's not to say that Kendrick Lamar, like he's, you know, way inferior than him either. He's his own guy and he doesn't need to bite off these guys. He doesn't need to sound like any of these guys. He doesn't need to make a drill album. He just needs to make a game, a solid album, you know, for, uh, you know, that's from the game, from the, the mind, from his heart. I don't feel like he did any of that. I don't feel like this album came from the heart or even came from his... Well, I feel like it came from the mind in the sense of, yeah, these are his bars, but not necessarily really crafted and really like, you know, he put some love and some energy into this. There's some, there's some hate. There's some bitterness. There's some, I don't give a fuck here. I'm just putting these bars together. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you can even say, you know, toxic masculinity, you know, even in some of this. So it's like, it's not... It's not his greatest of work, but again, it's, it's better than a lot of the shit that you'll come across on your average day to day. I give the album a solid B plus, actually a solid B. Um, again, it's something that it's it's something in which there's a few tracks that I will listen to a few times over and over, but it's, I, I, I couldn't listen to it as long as it is. I could not listen to it. Uh, 
from beginning to end <laughs> anytime soon <laughs> um you know again like i said one last thing is uh i just feel like the game is is better than this i, I feel like he would have he should have evolved at this point i'm not saying he has to be like Nas or anything like that but to be a drill rapper when you're you're already this far in the game and you can do so much more and you've already done so much more you know, when I think about some of these songs, just even the titles alone of some of these songs, like Home Invasion and shit like that, I think about, you know, where how far he's come because, you know, that's a lot less introspective than the bars he had on Hey to Love It when he's, you know, talking about pockets still being gone and Brenda's still throwing babies in the garbage. Let's think let's take a let's let's be honest with ourselves. You know, that's why I say like he's still kind of the same because it's still kind of the same theme, the motif of being a blood and being from Compton. But at the same time, he lacks the introspection. He lacks, you know, where 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 is the lesson learned? And Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers are a lot of lessons that we we learned from Kendrick or, or figured out that he has learned through himself. What do we have here in Dramatic that says the game has come this far? We know that he doesn't give a fuck about his lawsuits. We know that he's still a blood. We know that he still wants to shoot people. We know he's still mad at, at 50 Cent. We know that he's mad at... Now we know that he's mad at Eminem. And, you know, he's always been frustrated with Dr. Dre as well. So really, what is it positive that's coming from this? What is it? So, again, solid so solid sounding album. A lot of the, you know, your casual fans are going to like it. They're going to eat it up. But as a... As somebody who's listened to rap all his life and listened to you know every you know almost every album from the game, this doesn't do it all. This doesn't do it for me. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take a quick break, and when we come back. I'll be breaking down some college football. Like I mentioned, I wanted to break down the Big Ten action from big, uh, from week zero. Of course, Nebraska takes another loss. Uh, of course, we have some more Big Ten action coming on uh, tonight. So to commemorate all that, like I said, I wanted to break you guys in with a uh, Big Ten preview. So I'll be right back, y'all. Of course, we have some uh, we have some more news to go. All right, y'all. All right, y'all, we are back, and we are getting closer, ever so close, uh, to the start of the college football season. Matter of fact, we had week zero last week, of course. Uh, not much to talk about in reality, but, you know, Nebraska was in action, of course, along, against Northwestern out there in Dublin, Ireland. So I guess that's the key match that people, you know, that people could talk about, make some news from. And of course, as usual, uh, Scott Frost seems to will seem to have come apart in epic fashion, uh, losing, of course, in whatever prime time slot this game had. Of course, they never really talked about it, as far as I know, outside of after the loss. Um, you know, of course, to make fun of Scott Frost and to ridicule him throughout the media and drag him through the mud a little, just one more time before he inevitably gets fired. Let's be real here. But anyways, uh, because of that game, I wanted to start off uh, my uh, conference uh, previews, my conference breakdowns uh, tonight with the Big Ten. I'm going to start off with breaking down that game as well, just kind of my thoughts on Scott Frost. And then um, I'll get through how I see the conference playing out. I'm not going to get a, get into a breakdown of each team. Again, I wanted to save that for the SEC and the Pac-12 
just because I, I of course, I'm a deep follower of the Pac-12 and as far as the SEC, I, I wanted to share some personal thoughts on there. So I wanted to say that for a little bit later, but uh, just for today, for the Big Ten and the other Power Five conferences, I want to just kind of just break it down, kind of how I see it playing out, a few teams to look out for, and of course, we'll mention the ones that ain't about to do shit and just kind of a little bit, but like I said, we ain't just going, we ain't we ain't got all night for this. But anyways, you know what I mean. Uh, so, of course, like I said, week zero, uh, we had the Big Ten matchup between North uh, Northwestern and Nebraska. As I mentioned, Scott Frost found a way to choke. How, I don't know how he, how, well, I actually do have a theory behind this. But anyways, he comes up short by three, 28 to 31. Of course, I believe it's nationally televised. Like I mentioned, they're overseas out there in Dublin, Ireland. They seem to have a great football following. That's pretty cool to see that, uh, you know, that we have that, you know, that pool, I guess, with even college football. So it's cool to see that. Anyways, uh, like I said, uh, you had Northwestern coming out there with their Irish helmets. I thought that was a little neat touch, you know, because, again, to kind of represent where they had. That was cool. Uh, but anyways, like I said, Scott Frost, Nebraska, they fall apart. And my thing is, <clears throat> let me be honest with you. First and foremost, I'm not too sure why this is even news. Scott Frost has been losing for a long time. Nebraska has been losing for a long time, you know, and or just not been up to their standard for a very long time. You know, even if we count years be- the years before him, uh, like coaches like Mike Riley, I guess you can go back to even Bo Pelini and um, I think Peter Solich is a name that comes up for these guys. They love Peter Solich, by the way. They will take up for him. I personally thought Bellini, uh, Pelini's shooting was okay, uh, but again, they have their standard. Oh, we want this expectation, and I get it. But in reality, Nebraska hasn't won anything since the 90s, 97, by the way. And if I'm not mistaken, the ironic fact about it is the quarterback to, that led them to that championship, y'all, is their current head coach. So, you know, it. And this is what kind of leads me to my uh, theory on what's going on with Scott. Before we even get into deeper into the game itself, I think, you know, you ever heard of, you know, you hear about these baseball guys and sometimes these other athletes, they have these periods of time where they just go cold and they just can't do anything. They can't make a shot. They can't, you know, if it's a baseball player, they can't get on base. They can't hit the ball. If it's a pitcher, they can't get a strike to save their life. They're constantly giving up homers, you know what I'm saying, you know. It's called, I think they call it the yips, right? You know, you 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 a running back, you keep fumbling the ball, you're a wide receiver, you, can't, you know what I'm saying? And it just affects your career and it gets into a mental, you get into a mental headspace about it. And I think, you know, being that this is your boy's alma mater, Scott Frost, and again, him being the one that led them to their last championship, of course, he was a player back then. I think it puts so much stress on this man at times that he can't think his way out of shit. If you think of, think about it, I think because if, if let's not disrespect him too hard because you have guys, particularly the younger guys um, in the college football community, they'll outright say he's a loser, he's this, he's that. You know, there's winners and losers and all this, and they want to get into all this other shit, right? First and foremost, the man was a great offensive coordinator. 
Uh, he led Oregon to a national, helped lead Oregon to a national championship, I believe. Actually, yeah, at, at one point, uh, he led us to multiple conference championships. He moved on to UCF, and you can say whatever you want about the championship that he won, but it's NCAA recognized and FBS recognized, whatever, but it's recognized. It's a claimed national title. You can say what you want about it. It's clear. So uh, he won himself a national championship. So you got to put some respect on his name. I just think this this job has just been, you know, very intense on him because of who he is and because of his connection with that fan base and, of course, that city, Lincoln, Nebraska. It's not like Mike Riley, somebody that got from Oregon, uh, you know, quiet guy. You know, again, that tenured really was terrible uh but again you know kind of just like this one but in, but again just two different guys you know it, it's different when it's an out you know an out of towner somebody who necessarily wasn't ingrained into the culture as opposed to somebody like scott frost so i get it being devastating for nebraska fans you know if you live in lincoln or you just happen to be an alumni or a fan in general i get you being messed up but in reality this is not news this has been happening for a while now so it's just kind of like hey it's it's part of the you know it is what it, it'll be news if they were to win not even this game per se but because in reality it they're on par with you know northwestern in terms of talent and some of these teams in the big 10 so it, winning this game wouldn't have been news but maybe getting an upset against somebody else on their schedule that would have been news or winning five games in a season or you know or seven or eight games in a season that would have been news and uh with a loss like this and of course we know what kind of led to it the you know the bullshit you know, onside kick play that Frost decided to call. I don't know what he was, but again, he's, I think he's just in a mental fog because there's so much on his mind, so much pressure to be successful at this job. You know, I don't, I, again, this, I think he jumped way too fast. I would have loved for him to stay at, you know, um, UCF just a little bit longer or maybe find another school to get into. I don't think this job was ready for him or he was ready for the job right at this point in his career. He should have been a little bit more seasoned a little bit later into his career, got a little bit settled, you know, you know, and, you know, and um, hopefully, you know, he has a chance at some point. There's already talks of him maybe possibly being let go by the time the Oklahoma game comes around. And it's just, you know, it's just sad because, well, I don't even know. I mean, again, I don't even know if it's that sad because, again, it's been going on for a while now. And, again, as somebody who covers the sport, you know, you kind of, you know, you look at it and say, well, damn, you know, you hope. Well, I mean, I like Scott Again, I know a little bit about him, again, from being an offensive coordinator at Oregon. So you do want to wish him the best. You know, you, I do want to, you know, wish him, you know, well. You know, and it kind of, it, it does kind of suck to see him lose like this because I think he's capable of so much more and he's already shown that. Again, I bring up what he did at UCF and y'all can, you know, complain and moan and, and bitch about what he did there but it's again ncaa recognized so you know he has he has what it takes i just think this job right here may just might not be for him he was he's 10 and 6 10 and 26 versus the big 10 and 0 and 14 versus ranked opponents at nebraska now um Again, even last year, though, and, and this is the crazy part about last year. They had nine losses, 
where they where they would nine losses by single digits you know so those games could have went either way i don't know how you get into those positions and and you mess those up nine times you can't you can't even win four out of five or you know you get three wins out of that you know that's crazy michigan state feasted off of one possession games or single digit wins last season and the, and the fact that nebraska just couldn't do it maybe i mean but again i think just this job has him out of its element you know it's, it's a lot on the line for him i think there might be some mental blocks as well i don't want to just chuckle at it but you know there's a lot to, to take in you know I don't know how you come up with the idea of calling an onside kick like that in a position where you're up by two possessions, 11 points, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and then, you know, they brought in if we eat. But in reality, you know, I'm kind of not surprised. I look at the roster. I look at who they brought in. Um, they brought in transfer quarterback Casey Thompson. He was mad. He was mid at, at Texas, you know. He, he, you know, he threw away two picks for him on Saturday last Saturday. That didn't surprise me. He did that all the time at Texas, you know. So you have to, at some point, you do have to hold him accountable for kind of who he's bringing in, how he's coaching these guys, you know, and and again, his uh, ultimately his play calling. So at the end of the day, it's not monumental news in my opinion. Uh, I think people, you know, they they go off of I, I'm sorry, Nebraska's, you know past status as a champion and they keep riding that just like they do with many other teams particularly in the sec not name alabama because of course i i got all love for alabama but a lot of them teams they just they just uh dick ride the media does and same thing with they try to do with nebraska that's why they always bring them up even when they lose just stop talking about them until they're wrong you know first and foremost let's not make them a new they're not this is not newsworthy losing shouldn't be newsworthy you know, what I'm saying I don't care who it is. Again, this is their track record the past few years. Now, what they, whatever they do to figure this out is what they're gonna do. I don't know if they keep Scott Frost. I, I don't know. You know, there's like I said, there's talk of them uh, dumping them by the time they face off against Oklahoma. You know, so unless he gets a win there, maybe he does get the, maybe he does get the door. There also is a possibility that this team goes completely winless this entire season, regardless of who the head coach is. Um, this team was one and eight last year versus the Big Ten, three and nine overall. Uh, who's to say that that even changes? They were decent. They were decent enough on offense, uh, third in total offense, but it didn't lead to anything. Ninth in total defense. That again, that's where they fucked up. That now again, Scott Frost, he doesn't necessarily control the defense though. And same thing with Saturday. The defense gave up 30, 31 points. Uh, Ryan Halinski had a great day through the air, 413 yards. So there's a lot of questions all along that team. So I wouldn't even just point out Mark, sorry, Mark, <laughs> but Scott's performance. I look at the whole thing. Uh, of course, there's a rift between him and the offensive coordinator. I hope they figure that out, but it's just more of a of a black eye and more of a reason why this, this faculty or this uh I guess you will call the AD, the athletic administration there at, at Lincoln, will probably boot him out the door sooner rather than later. You don't want to be beefing with your offensive coordinator. You don't want to be having that going through the media as well. You already got that drama too, plus you losing. Mm, we'll have to see, you know. And like I said, it's a damn shame, uh, you know. But, you know, they had a – I mean – they were. This would have been a, a decent enough schedule for them to see what happens. Of course, now everybody's roasting them, talking about they might not be able to beat North Dakota and Georgia Southern, which 
They should. Uh, they should have beat Northwestern. They should have been going 3-0 and by the time they met Oklahoma because that's probably going to be a loss. <laughs> so they would have been 3-1 and by then going into a bye, which would have been cool because Indiana is a game that could go either way, just like Rutgers. And I don't think they could beat Purdue, but then there's another bye week and they face, face off against Illinois, which could have been a winnable game, but now I don't see that. You know, once you lose to Northwestern off the bat, and we know North. With, I mean, again, with that being said, though, them in Northwestern, Nebraska and Northwestern are kind of, you know, on the same level. You wouldn't really have Nebraska favored in probably any of these games anyways, except for Georgia, Georgia Southern and North Dakota, to be all honest with you. Maybe Rutgers. Uh, Indiana, like I said, Indiana is even iffy. We know they're not going to beat Michigan or Minnesota, despite Minnesota taking a step down this year. Uh, they're not beating Iowa on the road, so... Again, it's it's a tough break, and they could end up really going winless because I don't I don't know who who they really have that stands out offensively or defensively. They do bring back their tap their top tackler from last season though, uh, Luke Ramirez. Uh, he would have a hundred uh, over a hundred tackles last year. He would have a sack, an interception as well. He was also active in last game's uh, game as well. Uh, you know, with uh, I think about twelve tackles. So he, I mean, again, he's starting off on a on a good note. I mean, again, at least on a personal standpoint, but what what do you really have for this as a team? What is this, you know, what is this team's calling card? What is it going to make this team successful? I don't know. And I, and this might be, and Scott Frost might be out of here sooner than you think, now that I think about it. All right, y'all, let's take another look at the Big Ten as a whole. Uh, like I said, uh, as far as I see, as far as my winners, excuse me, of this conference, uh, it's... It's kind of simple for me. Um, out of the out of the East, I have Ohio State. Again, I think we're talking about the the cream of the crop in terms of talent. Uh, last year, of course, they had that loss to Oregon, uh, but and also they ended up losing to uh, Michigan as well. And that might be the big question for them because that's their most important game, in my opinion. Um, I I see them favored. I definitely have them favored against Notre Dame this Saturday. Uh, but it, I mean, it could be it could go either way. You never know. I would I would be pleasantly surprised though if they were to lose. Just to be honest with you, to Notre Dame. Uh, but I I would I would see that they would win that game uh, after. Notre Dame, they do face off against Arkansas State, Toledo. Those those are definitely winnable games, blowout wins. If you're if I'm not mistaken, let's be real here. Uh, Wisconsin, that could be an interesting game, but I do think uh, Wisconsin is taking a step back this year. I'll talk about them in just a second. Well, I'll just just uh, just state my piece on them right now. I don't like who they have at quarterback, Graham Hurts. I'm just going to be honest with you. He's middle of the road, and they're bringing in a new offensive coordinator as well. I don't have his name off the top of my head, uh, but he was previously uh, the offense, actually the, the uh, wide receivers and tight ends coach down there at Baltimore. So you kind of know what he's bringing into the table. He, I'm definitely thinking he's going to be emphasizing a a power run scheme uh, with some, with, with you and I to be somewhat of a decent passer and a runner uh, under center as well uh, so at the quarterback position and I don't see Graham doing that so I don't really see that offense being uh, dynamic as it was and again they lose a few pieces on defense as well quite a few pieces of the, on defense as well so I think I, I, Ohio get past, gets past them as well Rutgers really doesn't uh, pose much of a threat Michigan State could be interesting uh, you know 
I think Michigan State does take a step back this year, this season. Uh, they're not. I don't think they take too much. You know, they don't win eleven games this season, but they don't necessarily win six or seven like people are kind of, or maybe even eight like people are are predicting. I still think they can win around nine or ten, but again, Ohio State should be able to get that one as well. Iowa, same thing. Another a trap game here, maybe might even be Penn State. A few possible trap games for Ohio State, uh, but Indiana, they close out the season with Indiana, Maryland, of course, like I mentioned, Michigan. That's really the, the game to see. I mean, definitely we're going to see them uh, hit up against Notre Dame on Saturday. That'll be a good chance to see them up against the ranked team to kind of see what they have. Although, again, I will say that they're definitely favored in that game, but the Michigan game is the one to look at. You have to put a star on that game, again, particularly since, you know, Ohio State lost to them last year. But as far as who they're bringing back, they're bringing back 14 starters, including C.J. Stroud. They're running back uh, Trayvon Henderson. He would have over 1,200 yards last season and was third in the conference in touchdowns and with 15. They also bring back the best receiver in the conference, Jackson Smith and Jiba. He would go on to have 95 catches last year for over 1,600 yards and also nine touchdowns. On defense, they're bringing back the defensive end, Zach Harrison, and their safety, Ronnie Hickman. They also are bringing in a new defensive coordinator, though, Jim uh, Jim Knowles. Uh, he's coming from Oklahoma State. Last year, uh, that team was ninth in terms of scoring. Uh, well, points allowed. They were giving up just about eight, a little bit over 18 points per game. He's bringing in a 4-2-5 defense. That pretty much is standard in the Big 12 because they throw the ball so much. So you're going to have four down linemen uh, just to generate, still generate some pass rush and a you know, potentially stop against uh, whatever one run might come your way. But the thing here is you just have the two linebackers and the five uh, DBs and safeties. Again, they throw the ball out a lot in the Big t- uh, the Big 12, not so much in the Big 10. So he may or may not adjust that. But I, I always like the 4-2-5, to be honest with you. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's kind of the best of both worlds, in my opinion. That's just me. Uh, but like I said, their big their biggest test is going to be with Michigan. Other than that, I see this team either running the table. They could lose at the very most one game. And if it's not to Michigan, it could be to Notre Dame or maybe one of the trap games that I mentioned, particularly Penn State or Iowa. Iowa probably is going to have the best defense going into the Big Ten this year, maybe next to Ohio State. Uh, Penn State, like I said, could be a trap game too. Uh, as far as recruiting for them, they brought in 21 total commits this year, or well, at least at this point in the year, two five-stars, 18 four-stars, then ranked number four nationally. Some of their top recruits include, of course, the five-star linebacker C.J. Hicks, number seven um, in terms of the national rankings, the number one linebacker uh, in terms of recruiting, and also the number one recruit from Ohio. They also get the number two recruit from Ohio, Sonny Styles, at the safety spot, who's also the number twelve, uh, the number twelve recruit right nationally. So you have a lot of good things going for them. Uh, they, they again, they seem to always run the table or close to it in this conference that doesn't change is that does not change this year particularly with other teams like Minnesota, I believe Wisconsin, and even maybe. 
Iowa even taking a step back. Um, speaking of Iowa, uh, I did mention them probably taking a step back. And the reason why I feel that way is because nationally or historically, uh, they're also they're always going to have one of the top defenses. I think over the past uh, five or six seasons, they have about 75 interceptions, which leads uh, all of college football, at least FBS, the FBS. Uh, they also uh, have been ranked in the top 20 for eight straight seasons. So that doesn't change, but I do not like what they have at quarterback going on. Uh, do not like what they have at quarterback right now with Spencer Petros. Uh, just he does not get it done. And I think that's going to be their Achilles heel, uh, much like with Wisconsin and their situation. Their quarterback play is going to hold them back. Uh, Wisconsin may have a little bit of a better situation because they do have uh, two running backs returning, two top running backs returning. Uh, but outside of that, you know, their quarterback play leaves a lot to be desired. Of course, you're going to have Michigan. Uh, they're going to definitely be in the mix. I know they're one of the top favorites, though, as well. Uh, last year, they finished 12-2. and They were 8-1 and versus the conference. Of course, they ended up blowing out uh, blowing out Iowa for the conference title. I think the final score in that game was 42-3. Uh, but they did go on to the college football playoff. In my opinion, got exposed uh, by Georgia. They were end up they would end up getting blown out 11-34. to So, uh, but during the regular season, it was a it was a Pretty, it was a pretty good start. They will win seven straight before losing to their rival Michigan State. So they have a lot of things to build on. Uh, they do lose their top pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson, uh, but they do bring back 13 starters, including their quarterback, Kay McNamara. Last year, he threw for over 2,500 yards. He also completed over 64% of his passes for 15 touchdowns, uh, but he would also throw six interceptions. Uh, but last year, they were also fourth in total defense in the conference, uh, with about giving up about 320. 29 yards a game. They were fifth in defense uh, in terms of points allowed, uh, giving up about 19 points per game. But they were relatively um, in decent shape in terms of who was ranked ahead of them. Again, the Big Ten as a whole did not give up a whole lot of points uh, if you look at it. Uh, Wisconsin was ranked first in the conference. They only gave up 15 points per game, of course, versus the Big Ten. Uh, Penn State would come in second, just giving up 16. And then you had Iowa and Illinois here, both giving up around 8. 18. So Michigan wasn't that far off, giving up 19. And uh, again, like I said, they were all potent def uh, defenses, of course, last year, at least being the top three or four teams. So uh, not much to, not much uh, that they missed, not much that they that they could have not much else that they could have done to be more successful and they were uh so but they do bring in a new defensive coordinator as well uh, i don't know what the trend is here at least three teams i can think of at least one of the team i can think of off the top of my head is bringing in a new defensive coordinator uh penn state is bringing in a new defensive coordinator they're bringing in uh manny diaz uh he used to be the head coach down there at miami i don't know what the big deal is uh bringing in these head court uh, these new coordinators particularly you know, in the case of, um, for, if, for example, for the case of Michigan, they're bringing in Jesse Minter. Uh, this is their third defensive coordinator in three years. So, again, I don't know what their issue is with stability uh, is. I don't know why they can't hold it down at that position, at that uh, that position in the staff. And my question is, why this guy? Because last year, Coach Nat Vanderbilt, he gave up about 35 and 35 points a game. And I'm very concerned about that, particularly with this defense that's only returning three starters. So there's a 
potential that they take a step back. But if we look at the schedule, they start off with Colorado State, Hawaii. Uh, they play UConn, September, uh, sorry, September 17th. So those should all be wins. Of course, they face off against Maryland. That should be a win as well. I think the real, uh, if we outside of the Ohio State game, one game that could could potentially, you know, trap them or something like that would be the game October 1st at Iowa. Uh, that could probably be their only 50-50 matchup, in my opinion, because Indiana should be a winnable uh, game. Penn State, that might even be a trap game, too, just like Michigan State. Michigan State has been playing pretty good. So there's at least three 50-50 games for this squad just because of what I'm seeing. Uh, like I said, they only bring back three starters. And, again, I'm not too sure I like the hire at defensive coordinator. I don't like that. And and I'll be the first to tell you I'm not really sold on K McNamara as well. So in my opinion, this team has a few questions. I think they can start off hot. Um, they have a potential to do that. They can get some momentum. Again, I don't think that – they're necessarily, I don't think they're necessarily, you know, the underdog versus Iowa, but I think, you know, at being on the road, Iowa playing really great on defense, you know, it could go a different way. You know, uh, same thing with Penn State. They do have Penn State at home, but again, Penn State, I believe, is pretty much on their level, believe it or not. I know the media will tell you so much more about Michigan, but they're not all what they're cracked up to be. Let's just be honest here. Uh, but again, uh, they will fa- after after Michigan State, they will be on the road versus Rutgers. That should be a win. Nebraska should be a win. Illinois should be a win. So they should be able to win three straight before they uh, meet up against Ohio State. I think this team takes a step back this year, uh, possibly 10, maybe nine wins. They might not like it. John Harbaugh still kind of keep, in my opinion, will still keep his job. It's a decent enough season to do so. But, you know, that's what you got. So anyways, I, you know, we wrap up the Big Ten. Uh, like I said, the main people we want to look out for, of course, Ohio State, uh, of course, Michigan. Uh, we also have a outside chance possibly for uh, Michigan State, uh, even uh, Penn State as well. They have an opportunity against uh, Michigan and Ohio State to get some couple trap wins. Uh, as far as the West, we mentioned Iowa taking a step back, uh, you know, same thing uh, with Wisconsin, even um, Minnesota, even though they're bringing back their quarterback, Tanner Morgan. Again, same situation as with these other teams. Uh, they're bring, they're losing a lot of people along the defensive uh, side of things. So, you know, you got to have that balance between the offense and defense, in my opinion. I think a lot of these teams, particularly in the Western Division, lose that. Um, but as far as who I see coming out of that division, I think it's possible you see uh, Iowa, uh, Iowa repeat. Uh, but again, I don't know what they offer in terms of a competitive matchup in a Big Ten championship. Same thing with uh, Wisconsin. I think you see, you could possibly see them make a run as well. Uh, as far as a dark horse, possibly Illinois. Uh, they can get hot. They play really good defense. The question is, can they score enough offense? Uh, so they could be a dark horse coming out of the West. But again, I don't see them really competing with who comes out of the East, whether it be uh, Michigan or or Ohio State, even possibly, like I mentioned, uh, Penn State or, uh, yeah, or even Penn State, if we're, you know, just thinking, you know, right now. So I, 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 that's, that's where I'm headed right now. I got Ohio State winning it all, at least in this conference. Yeah. Uh, dark horse, like I said, uh, maybe Michigan, <laughs> just to, you know, maybe, yeah, possibly Michigan, Penn State, one of those guys, but somebody out of the East, 
East Division. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take another quick break. We'll come back. when I come back. I'll be breaking down some NFL news. Uh, one more week of preseason before we get into the first week. Uh, some news headlines uh, there as well. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. Alright y'all, I'm going to wrap this up for tonight and just to let you guys know, of course week one of the NFL does not start until next week. Uh, so for now, tonight I'm just going to give a, give you guys a wrap up of the preseason of course, go over the week four scores a little bit and go over my final thoughts of what I saw from the Raiders and pretty much uh, what to expect from them going into this season. I also want to go into some week one scores from college football as well and then uh, also not to forget some headlines uh, from from the NFL on top of that because there is some uh, there is some drama going down there just to say the least for dealing with one particular player uh, but let's get into some college football just to wrap all that up for tonight of course week one is in the books uh, there was at least uh, I believe there was three yes there was three top 25 teams in action tonight uh, first things first Pittsburgh at number 17 got it done against West Virginia took all four quarters it came down to the wire uh, pretty much one last play but they were able to get it done 38 to 31 to get their first win of the year uh, for West Virginia JT Daniels was under center he would go 23 of 39 for 214 yards he would throw two touchdown passes but he would throw a pick near the end uh, he would have a rushing touchdown though as well CJ Donaldson will be the team's leading rusher uh, for the Mountaineers uh, 125 yards on the ground and a touchdown Bryce Ford Wheaton will be the team's leading receiver uh, with nine catches and 97 yards for Pitt. Keaton Slovis was under center, six of 26 of 24. Excuse me, 308 yards. He would throw a touchdown. Rodney Hammond would would have two scores on the ground as well as 74 yards. Daniel Carter would have a rushing touchdown as well. And M MJ Devonshire comes through with the pick six to seal the win or to get the win for Pittsburgh, of course. And uh, pretty, um, I guess you wouldn't even call it controversial fashion but it was exciting just one of those plays uh went through the receivers uh the west virginia receivers hands uh devonshire was there he took it all the way to the house i think the return was about 40 plus yards so that's how you uh, top off a game it could have went either way now uh west virginia kept it very close uh it would have just been sucky for a team like pittsburgh of course what they've been through last year uh you know they went in the conference title you know, finishing the season ranked, starting this season ranked, it would have sucked to start everything off with an L. But they get it done. Of course, they needed all four quarters to do it, but it's always good to start off with a win. Up next, we have Oklahoma State. They get it done again. This is a wild game here. I think uh, I don't think anybody was expecting Central Michigan to put up 44 points, but they do. Again, Oklahoma State gets the win 58-44. to They start off their season with a win as well. For Central Michigan, Daniel Richardson will go 36. Six of 
of 49 with 424 yards, four touchdowns, but he would throw a pick. Lou Nichols will be the team's leading rusher with 72 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And wide receiver Jalen McGoffey would have six receptions for 126 yards and two touchdowns. Carlos Gary Carrier will get a two touch. Sorry, a touchdown on the uh, sorry a touchdown uh, receiving as well as well as five catches for 75 yards. Running back Miles Bailey will find himself in the end zone. Uh, with a with a receiving touchdown as well, and defensively, defensive lineman Thomas and Coombe would end up with a sack. Now for Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders would get the starter course at quarterback, 28 of 41, 406 yards. Four touchdowns. He'd also have 57 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Dominic Richardson would get 61, 61, 61 yards on the ground, excuse me, and a touchdown. And uh, Zach Middleton would get a rushing touchdown uh, to cap things off there. In terms of receiving, uh, Braden Johnson would be the team's leading receiver with six catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. And John Paul Richardson would also have four catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. Bryson, uh, Bryson Green. Jaden Mixon would also get receiving touchdowns. So Spencer Sanders uh, game, sorry, week one already throwing the ball all over the place, getting it to different receivers, getting everybody active. You got to love it. On defense for the Cowboys, safety Kendall Daniels would have 11 total tackles and an interception. And defensive end Tyler Lacey and cornerback Jabbar Muhammad would both get uh, sacks. Now moving on. Um, to cap off the top 25 action, we got number 22, Wake Forest, getting the win against Virginia Military Institute, 44-10. to 10. For VMI, Seth Morgan, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a tough night for VMI quarterbacks, but Seth Morgan, uh, he will get the original start going 13-27, just 79 yards. I don't think he threw a pick, but no interceptions. Colin Ironside would go 6-9. He would score a touchdown. Uh, but for Virginia Military, they would only get 83 yards on the ground. Running back Grant Swinehart will get two receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown. And defensively, Devin, sorry, Evan uh, Eller and also linebacker Christian Dunn will pull up with a sack. Pull up with a sack each. Uh, for Wake Forest, Mitchell Griffin, sorry, Mitch uh, Griff, uh, Griffiths was under center 21 to 29, 288 yards. He would throw t uh, three touchdown passes. Christian Turner uh, was on the ground. Uh, sorry, he was a leading, uh, sorry, the leading rusher with 100 yards on the ground at 7.7 yards per carry. He would also score two touchdowns. And Rob receiver Tyler Taylor Moore and excuse me, was a team's leading receiver with five catches and 74 yards and a touchdown and tight end Blake Whitehart. Uh, two catches from him, 50 yards, and he would also score. And defensive lineman Rondell Beth uh Bothroyd and also Kendron Wagon will get sacks. So uh, again, Wake Forest gets the win. They start off the season on a good note. And then we do have a Big Ten uh, update here. We did have a big uh, a Big Ten matchup tonight. Uh, big t uh, sorry, Penn State gets it done against Purdue, 35 to 31. For Penn State, Sean Clifford goes 20 of 37, 282 yards, four touchdowns. He would throw a pick, but he would also score on the ground as well. So five total touchdowns from him. Mitchell Tinsley will be the team's leading receiver with seven catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, tight end Brenton Strange would have two catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. And Keandre, sorry, 
yes, Keandre Lambert Smith will get four catches for 58 yards and a touchdown. And again, uh, just spreading out all over the field, multiple different receivers uh, connecting with Clifford. We also got running back uh, Kayvon Lee getting the receiving touchdown as well. Uh, on defense, defensive back Joey Porter Jr. will get eight total tackles, and linebacker Jonathan Sutherland uh, will come up with a sack. For Purdue, Aiden O'Connell will go 30 of 59, 365 yards. He will throw a touchdown on the ground. Uh, King Daru will get 57 yards and two touchdowns, and wide receiver Charlie Jones will get you 12 catches for 153 yards and a touchdown. And defensively, Scotty Humpage will get you four total tackles in the sack, and safety Chris Jefferson five total tackles and a pick from him so the big 10 gets a start uh, gets a hot start at least within the last couple of weeks uh we see nebraska go down we see penn state get a win again i have penn state as one of my dark horses from uh, the east and then of course for the west i think purdue is probably in that dark horse mix particularly with uh wisconsin taking a step back and possibly iowa as well i mentioned this before earlier but just to cap off some college football i feel I'd give you some scores from the first games of uh, the year, the new year. So uh, let's get into some NFL action. Of course, uh, week four, the preseason is done. We are getting, making our way to the season, which starts next week. Oh, I'm so glad I, I missed that bullet. So it's not, I feel like I was, you know, ran out of time with all the, anyways, let's just get into the preseason. Of course, uh, week four, we'll start off with the Packers getting it done against the Chiefs. Uh, final score, sorry, the Chiefs getting it done against the Packers. Final score 17 to 10 for the Packers. Jordan Love got another start 16 to 26, 148 yards. He will get a touchdown. Not a, not impressive at all. The question is, is he going to be the future? Who knows? I hope he gets his shit together. You know, he's looking like a bust in my opinion. Though. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, Danny Eckling will get some uh, will get some playing time. 10 and 13 from him, 97 yards. Again, no touchdowns from the quarterbacks. Uh, Tyler Goodson would have a rushing touchdown. The leading receiver would be Samari Torre from the wide receiver spot. Six uh, six receptions from him and 83 yards. And defensively, defensive end Jack Heflin will get you five tackles for the Chiefs. Shane Buchel uh, proving to be a really solid backup. 11 of 17, 166 yards, two touchdown passes from him. Isaiah Pacheco did his thing on the ground, 52 yards. Uh, also, uh, I believe he, no, I don't think he scored, but uh, the leading receiver will be tight end Matt Bushman. Three catches from him, 73 yards. He will catch a couple, a couple touchdown passes. And on defense safety, Brian Cook will get you four total tackles and an interception. And defensive end Tershawn Wharton will get you a, t a sack. And altogether, the Chiefs will force three total sacks. Moving on, we got the Texans uh, beating up on the Niners 17 to zip let's move on to Friday uh, with the Panthers they get a shutout win over the Bills 21 to zip uh, the Bills look to be all out of sorts uh, sorts last week uh, Matt Barkley would go 9 of 13 for 100 yards again remember back in the day I just wanted to bring this up again just to kind of remind uh, everybody just how much the media plays uh, plays into everything. But remember back in the day when they wanted to hype up USC? Remember Matt Barkley? Remember his name? Remember remember him? Yeah, he hasn't done too much. Yeah, he's still, you know, just starting the preseason. But again, he's supposed to be the next big guy because guess what? He came from USC. 
Just wanted to throw that out there. But anyways, 9-13 from him, 100 yards. Case Keenan would throw a pick, uh, 81 yards of total rushing from the Bills. Again, it's the preseason. I wouldn't go all the way into it. I don't think it's just a big cause of concern. You got your second and your third string in there. It is what it is. Uh, wide receiver Neil Powell uh, would be the leading receiver. I believe he would have up to 50 yards receiving. Uh, and also on defense, linebacker Andre Smith would have six total tackles. For the Panthers, uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, the king of the mid, 9 of 15 for him. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. 89 yards and two touchdowns. Sam Darnold would have a rushing touchdown. Uh, would have a rushing touchdown. But altogether, they were held to just 50 total rushing yards. So, again, a non-existent rushing game. Uh, I don't know about Christian McCaffrey's stat, uh, status going into the year. But, again, offensively, they are banking on him to be healthy for them to have any type of success. Let's keep it real here. I don't care who the quarterback is, particularly since they have a mid one. It wouldn't matter if it was Sam Donald or Baker Mayfield. They're both meh. And, I, you know, we'll see, though. I think Baker's a little bit better, but I, I don't think he moves the needle that much. But anyways, defensively, Jeremy Chin will get you an interception. I think he's one of the more underrated uh, secondary players out there. We also got defensive end Mark, uh, Marquand uh, McCall getting himself a sack as well. Uh, moving on, we got the Seahawks getting the best of the Cowboys, 26-27 to uh, for the Seahawks. Drew Locke will get the start, 13-24, to 171 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would throw a pick. Geno Smith would go Geno Smith, excuse me, would go 3 of 6 of 43 yards. He will be named the starter after this game. And you know it's bad in Seattle. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not buying the Geno Smith. <laughs> uh, I'm not buying the Geno Smith. The whole battle itself was um, underwhelming um, to say the least. They did not do their job to get a good quarterback to come in, and this is what you get. You did, you know, I think they should have did their best to hold on to Russell, but again, they feel like they can do better or whatever. That's them. Whatever. Uh, DJ Delks will be the team's leading rusher with 75 yards on a touchdown. Rob receiver Penny Hart would have a 35-yard receiving touchdown. And uh, But offensively, overall, the Seahawks will struggle. They were held to just 2 or 13 on third down, so they weren't converting drives. Uh, but for what it's worth, they lost by just one point. So... Yeah, uh, line, on defense, linebacker Joe, uh, Joe DeBlanco would have 12 total tackles and a sack. And for the Cowboys, uh, Will Greer would have to, would go 12 of 22, 88 yards and two touchdowns. Ben DiNucci, their favorite backup, would go 5 of 9, 65 yards with a touchdown. And Aaron uh, Aaron Shimplin, I think that's how you pronounce it, or Shamplin would have uh, 54 rushing yards on 4.2 yards per carry. Uh, tight end Peyton Hendershot and also wide receiver Brandon Smith will catch some touchdown passes. And defensively, Dallas will force four interceptions, five total uh, turnovers. So it seems to seems to me that they're working uh, pretty well on that front. Uh, looks like they'll be a turnover. Looks like they want to be a turnover-driven defense. We'll see how successful they are in the regular season. Uh, Dallas would have 10 penalties, giving up a 110 yards. I would say that would be area concern, but again, I don't think that happened. To that was indicative of their entire playoff. I mean, sorry, their preseason experience. Uh, moving on, we had the 
Saints. Uh, they get a win here against the Chargers, 27-10. And then, of course, my Raiders, they get it done against the Patriots, 23-6. Uh, Bailey Zapp will go 8-14. Sorry, 10-14 for 84 yards, but he would throw a pick. So would Mac Jones. Uh, again, we're seeing some difficulties from the Patriots at the quarterback spot. Again, this is preseason. We don't want to jump on any uh, jump to any conclusions just yet, but we'll have to see. Uh, but I, again, I'll just say this off the top: I haven't been impressed with what I've seen uh, altogether from the Patriots offensively. But I have seen some decent performances from Bailey Zapp uh, personally during the at least individually during the preseason. Uh, Josh Hammond would be the team's leading receiver, four catches and thirty-three yards. And on defense, Daniel Ukale and also Anthony Jennings would both come up with sacks. Nick Folk uh, would provide the team's only uh, offensive output or points, uh, going two for two for his field goals. Uh, New England would also give up three turnovers. For the Raiders, uh, Chase Garbers would go 12-22, the product out of Cal, doing his thing. Uh, 141 yards, Britton Brown and Zamir White would both score. Uh, Keenan Cole will be the team's receiver with three receptions and 48 yards. And defensively, Luke Masterson at the linebacker spot and Isaiah Zuber both come up with a, with uh, interceptions and defensive end Zach Van Valkenburg and Malcolm Kuntz will both come up with sacks. The Raiders altogether will force four of those. Uh, moving on, uh, we got the Falcons getting it done against the Jags on Saturday, 28 to 12. The Rams uh, in a Super Bowl matchup will get uh, will take an L here against the Bengals, 16 to seven. For the Rams, Bryce Perkins will go 14 and 19 for 143 yards. He would have a rushing touchdown as well. Lance McCutcheon would be the team's leading receiver. He would have five catches for 76 yards. And defensively, linebacker Keir Thomas and defensive tackle Michael Hawk will both get up. Uh, both get sacks. Now moving on to the Bengals, Jake Browning will go 19 to 24 for 173 yards and a touchdown, but they would only have a sorry, just a 49 yards on the ground. Uh, wide receiver Trenton uh, Trenton Irwin will be the team's leading receiver with nine catches and 93 yards, and tight end Justice Rigg uh, will get you a receiving touchdown. On defense, Noah Spence and uh, Zach Carter will get you a sack, and uh, there you go, a pretty solid game from the Bengals defensively. Um, you know they were able to get it done offensively to some extent and for the Rams again uh, some questions to be had but again I'm not you know we're not going to go deep into the preseason per se it's, uh, it's you know it is what it is you know so moving on we have the battle of the beltway with the Ravens getting it done against the commanders by 2 17 to 15 we have the Dolphins blowing out the Eagles 48 to 14 uh, we have the Titans here getting it done against the Cardinals 26 to 23 we also have the Bears here getting it done against the Browns 21 to 20 uh, wrapping up Saturday, we had the Colts uh, getting it done against the, the Buccaneers, 27-10. to And then the Broncos, uh, they get a win here against the Vikings, 23-13. to And finally, the cap off Sunday, we had the Giants getting it done. Oh, sorry, taking an L here against their, I guess, their in-city rival, the Jets, 31-27 to for the battle of, uh, I guess you call it MetLife Stadium. Yeah, sure. Uh, the Giants, <laughs> I mean, they both suck. Let's be real here. The Giants were led by Davis Webb, 30 of 38, 20, 2,000, sorry, 2,000, no, ain't no 2,000 yards, but 202 yards, two touchdowns, or one touchdown. And uh, Jashon Corbin will get you a score on the ground. And the leading receiver, uh, sorry, yes, the leading receiver will be tight end Austin Allen, four catches, uh, 40 yards, and a touchdown. And linebacker Austin Calitro, 
five total tackles from him and an interception for the Jets. Uh, Mike White was under center, 13-17 for him, 170, 170 yards through the air, also two touchdowns. Chris Strebler will get some uh, time under center as well, 10-13 from him, uh, 96 yards and also two touchdowns. Denzel Mims will be the team's leading receiver, seven catches from him, 102 yards he would score. Jeff Smith and ba uh, Braxton Berrios would also score as well. And defensive back Michael Carter II will find himself the interception. We also got the Steelers getting it done against the Lions 19-9. Now let's move on to some highlights or some headlines uh, to kind of wrap everything up for week four and going into everything. Two things that two stories that really bothered me going into the week and just uh, in general. Uh, first things first is your boy down there uh, rookie running back uh, Brian Robinson uh, with the DC Commanders. Now the rookie running back was shot multiple times last Sunday evening in an attempted robbery in Northeast Washington DC around H, uh, H Street. Uh, he luckily just sustained life, sustained, excuse me, life, uh, sorry, non-life threatening injuries. Uh, of course, uh, for those of you who don't know, I mean, this is part of the course, I believe, in, a, in D.C. Um, I think he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh you know, it's the 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 act of him getting robbed. Not so much the act of him getting robbed is so much of a DC thing, but the way that they kind of where he was shot is indicative. Uh, because again, you know, they try the killers out there or the gangsters out there won't try to necessarily pop you all the time because again, a murder case, well, any type of dead body ends up in a murder case. And it's federal. There is no self-defense. There is none of that. So what you have is a lot of cases where they might rob you. They're not looking to take your life, but they're going to definitely, you know, get you up out of your shit. Uh, another high profile robbery case I could think about uh, happening out there that I know that I know about was uh, back in the day with Cameron back in the early 2000s now he talked about it he bragged about it you know how he was in dc they tried to jack well first of all they jacked him and he talked about how he was shot they told him that you know he said you know he bragged about how they it didn't do nothing he you know he was still alive they shot him but he was still alive but again that's the whole mo of dc robbers like of course they're gonna they're gonna take your shit but they're not looking to kill you because again they're not looking to do no no real murder time no real murder beef so they're gonna pop you in the leg pop you in the arm wherever it's going to take for you to give up whatever and they'll, they'll move on you know because uh they make sure uh, again cameron thought he got away with something but again he was roasted they took his shit they talked about it they had his chain in the hood trust me they get down they just didn't want to they just didn't want to kill man they don't kill less necessarily like that they do but yeah they knew who Ryan Robinson was and, you know, they had a statement to make. Again, this is why he ain't dead. They just wanted to just jack him. And he's, in my opinion, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, but again, in my opinion, uh, one thing I will say is it's, it's kind of like a bad look. It's definitely a bad look on the city. Uh, you know, come on, y'all. <laughs> like, y'all robbing the football players, too. DC niggas don't give a fuck. I'm just gonna tell you right now. That's some cold damn. That's some cold shit. They shot him in the leg. That's how they do. They shoot you in the leg. They shoot you in the arm. They'll jack your shit. Like I said, they're not gonna kill you, but they're gonna take your shit. 
ask Cameron, oh, they didn't kill me. Yeah, they, they shot me a couple times, but I lived. But they took your shit, though. And believe me, they ain't let it go. <laughs> um, You know, and, and like I said, it's just, I think it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a cold look on the city that your own star. I mean, I'm not saying he's a star just yet, but your own football player, you know, he ain't safe there. You know, you got to rob the running back, the rookie running back. Come on now. That's not a good look. (laughs) That's just not, it just makes, it just makes that city just look like, and believe me, I don't want to talk down on the city because I got family there. So I'm not ever going to just talk down on it, but God damn, you know, how you going to rob the local football player, man? Come on, man. He just the rookie. Eddie the rookie, man. He ain't got no money like that. Come on. Y'all cold. He ain't from there. He from Tuscaloosa. He don't know how y'all do. That's cold, bro. Anyway. <laughs> uh, let's move on to some real drama, though. On some uh, some uh, somber note. I know I don't I normally don't want to end uh end a in the show like this, but, um, it is what it is. It's just, you know, how everything got, you know, planned, how I wrote everything out of my outline. So anyways, uh, let's dial it in for a second. And, um, recently a rookie punter has gotten himself into some hot water, uh, with some, uh, really serious accusations. Rookie punter Matt Areza was released by the bills and, um, this was after he was included in a a lawsuit that alleges he was a part of a gang rape. Yes, um, and maybe I should. That'd be the only time that I'll say that word. My bad, y'all. I don't like to say. It's just I I know it's a difficult time, and I don't want to. It's just certain verbiage you don't want to use, but that's exactly what it is. And I'll leave that. I'll I won't say that word again. Uh, but um, I'll, I'll you know. That's what happened. He was accused of this group, you know, force, forceful sexual act. And he was in a group. And uh, like I said, it was done. Uh, if I hadn't mentioned it just yet, uh, it was committed on a 17-year-old girl at the time. Okay. Now, I don't feel comfortable just because of this being, it's just, again, the climate. I don't know if I really want to get into all the details of the accusations. Uh Okay, but I will say this. It was an, in, an, an instance in which this girl was intoxicated. And, of course, she was held against her will. Again, if you hear the accusations themselves, it'll it'll, it'll rock you. It'll make you feel a certain way. It, it affected my spirit when I read it. It was that serious. Uh, it was... It, I, I, again, I don't want to... I don't want to say too much without, you know you know fucking my you know channel up or whatever or saying the wrong things and setting off the wrong algorithm or whatever uh but uh again it was with him and a couple of the players at the time that he was with i think there some a couple of them are still playing or were still playing on the team up until this point and um the cold part is the team was made aware the bills that dra- the team that drafted him the bills were made aware of these accusations back in late July. Now, this is when he was still in college at San Diego State. Again, uh, he, you know, was involved in this situation with this underage girl with a group of his teammates. And and the difference between this and a lot of other cases that you'll come across is that uh, the date, 
I would almost say she instantaneously, well, I wouldn't say she instantaneously made a report, but within 24 hours, she went directly and made a police report, and I'm pretty sure she should have had a, uh, you know, a kit done on her. And I'm pretty sure that they know if there's any type, if there was any type of serious investigation, that they know by now if, you know, what's had, what has happened to her and who, you know, who done it, to say the least. And, um, you know, and the cold part is the girl and her family also released some photos of the of her, and it's a very telling situation. Uh, she seemed to have suffered some very serious injuries, and uh, it's it's all it's all bad. It, it really is. Um, like I said, the the bills were already aware of the situation. The family's attorney, the family's attorney, had already reached out to their legal team, and they didn't they hadn't even made a move. And I think that's really fucked up. You know, because, and again, you'll not to and not to keep pressing this line. I've said what I've said here, but you, you'll still have the media, and you'll still have some of these podcast guys and these, some of these YouTube guys that are going to be quick to try to put Deshaun Watson in here and try to say, well, he's a he's this and all that. This is not on the same level. Believe me. Find out what a razor did, and you tell me. For for example, Watson was sued from the gate. With allegations coming later, after all, whatever could have happened, happened, or whatever ha might have happened, happened. It came. It came later. The allegations came later. After that, with no police force, with no police reports, it's human. This is all the the allegations coming from the attorney that's running the lawsuit against that was running the lawsuits against him, Tony Busby. A grand jury decided to decided to decline. This they decided to decline. Uh, an indictment on Watson. So that tells you some things right there. So you all, there's going to be guys and, of course, a lot of women, the majority of women, of course, there's going to be some guys who want to be a white knight. They're going to keep saying, this guy's a predator. This guy's a, 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 a apist. And I'm not going to put the R on there, but you know what I mean. But he didn't get charged with nothing. That's the thing. A razor is more than your boy a razor here. He's probably more likely going to get charged. And the difference here is her and her family, that victim, his, the, the victim in this case, and her family went right to the fucking police and they decided to press criminal charges. Now, and also in John, and also in Deshaun Watson's case, his lawyer kind of dry snitched again about it being still consensual, but he was right. It was still a lot of them consensual, which led it to this murky situation and which led that to not being charged, uh, which led him more than likely to be not charged criminally. This is an open and shut case for Mr. Eraser. He did some nasty, foul shit with an underage and I don't fuck with it. And uh, he he should he don't he, I draw my line right there. He don't deserve no job, y'all. He does he of all people he need to get banned. He should be put in jail. Fuck not having a job. They need to put somebody like him in jail. Uh, put him on a register. That's it. You know if ands or buts, and you know it, it get him out of here. And um, on that note, we're going to wrap everything up for tonight. Uh, we have a lot of college football to get through to the weekend, get through over the weekend. Of course, I have a Pac-12 uh, 
preview for the season also an SEC uh, preview for, uh, preview that I'm going to be putting out on YouTube pretty soon uh, as far as uh, the podcast is concerned I got the Big 12 preview waiting for you guys an ACC uh, division, a conference preview uh, we have some upon for the review segments of course the end of the baseball season is coming up so I want to get through some baseball movies also we had the football season coming in so I want to get into some football movies uh, maybe to maybe some shows as well to kind of review to get get us in the mood for that uh, if you are looking to get in touch with me I'll be leaving my link available for you in the description for this episode if anybody hasn't told you yet I love you peace out one love and I'll holla at you guys later